Welcome to Fables of Our Deconstruction, a podcast where we examine our systems of faith and culture together as we grow as people. I'm your host, Dylan. If you like what you hear, check me out at patreon.com slash Dylan. If you'd like to be on a future episode, leave me a message at 515-318-7569 or find Fables of Our Deconstruction on Spotify and leave me a voice message. Leave your name, otherwise I will keep you anonymous. Okie dokie, let's get into this. things first i'm excited to announce i made it back on time my life is not crushingly busy though it's still got its crushing factors there's a lot of things going on and i'm always trying to do my best to get work done trying to tackle a bunch of commissions get ready for krampus knocked in milwaukee which will be my final event of the year i'm pretty sure unless i sneak in a christmas market and i'm just trying to make a few bucks so i don't go broke i got student loans roaring back to life which is always just the most wonderful and exciting thing in the world that being said uh today we're going to be looking at miracles and i I said i wanted to start focusing on like uh catholic saints catholic saints i think that 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 would be a great spot to start but before we get into that i want to announce i some solidarity I want some solidarity with the world of skeptical and atheist podcasting. Uh, no Illusions, host of the Skeptocrat and uh, the Scathing Atheist, has had a, a cardiac event. I don't know if it's been declared a heart attack yet or not, but he went into the hospital on the night of October 30th. Uh, so the day before I recorded this, I'm recording it on Halloween, the spookiest and most oingo boingo of all days. And I just want to announce that, you know, uh, we're, we're standing in solidarity with Noah's family, friends, and all of those who help make everything at the Puzzle in a Thunderstorm podcast universe a possibility. We hope he gets back on his feet as soon as possible. And hey, if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in catching up on what they do over there at Puzzle in a Thunderstorm with things like The Scathing Atheist, go check it out. Show some love and support. I know Noah could really use it in times like these. So that being said, I was looking through my list. Well, Wikipedia's list of saints. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Literally, there's so many so many freaking saints. I was even over at catholic.org digging through saints and all the things like beatification that you have to go through to become a saint and realized, oof, I don't know where to begin. This is just so big. This is insurmountable. There's just a mountain. It's not even like a clear mountain. It's like a pile, like just a junk pile of saints there's so many there's you, you got anything you need a saint for you got one i don't know why uh i didn't know there were so many you think of it well as someone who grew up grew up protestant i grew up lutheran and methodist uh like you just don't think about them the only saints you think about are like peter so there's just so many and then i was like well maybe we'll break down 
break down the, the miracles of Jesus, because Jesus has so many miracles, and he does, he does. I, I, I have the list of Jesus's miracles right in front of me. But one of my issues is that, well, if I'm going to look at Jesus, if I'm going to look at stuff from the Bible, just like I said before, it's going to be really hard to determine if any of this has any grounds at all. It's, it's Are his miracles any more grounded than, like, the magical behavior of a character like Merlin? Uh, because, well, we don't have any evidence either of them necessarily existed. There's reasons to argue that there was likely a prophet in the Middle East, if not a group of prophets around the time that uh, the Bible is referencing, whether or not there was one named Jesus or Yeshua. Um, you know, we're not entirely certain. There's some corroborating evidence that there was definitely someone using that moniker. Uh, but a lot of the story is in conflict with the historicity that we have. So it's a challenge. It's easy to just dismiss it. So I started thinking about, well, maybe before we pick a particular saint, maybe before I really dig into whose miracles I want to tear apart, I should look at what we're going to constitute as good evidence. Now, I'm a big fan of other skeptical media, like I talked about with Puzzle and a Thunderstorm. I listen to a lot of skeptical and atheist content, and here I am trying to make my own, trying to make something a little bit unique, a little bit more personal, and a little bit more about just tearing things apart. Uh, and one of the shows that I absolutely love, I, one of my highest recommended shows, is Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Uh, not long ago, they had uh, uh, introduced me to the skeptic Mick West, and he had created a term called the LIZ, or the Low Information Zone. And yesterday, while struggling to come up with what I wanted uh, to exactly tackle when I was preparing to hammer out this script, oh, warning, I'm not using a script, uh, when I was preparing to hammer out this script on which miracle I'm going to tear into, and we're going to look at the, you know, the plausibility of it, I, I frustratedly left like 40 tabs open, I have a half hacked away at script, and I decided I was going to listen to this week's Ross and Carrie, and just get myself out of the out of the way of it, because usually I write these on Monday, I edit them on Tuesday, and I record them on Tuesday, and then I move on. Uh, and I usually do research along the way, if there's an episode that needs to be written. And uh, Ross brought up the low information zone, and I think that this this term can be used in lots of different ways. But I want to give you a little history on it because you may not be familiar with Mick West, the Skeptical Inquirer, or what the Low Information Zone is. So here's a snippet that I'll read for you, and I'll make sure to include in the description and notes for this show uh, a link to the Skeptical Inquirer where they discuss the Low Information Zone. Here it is. LIZ, or Low Information Zone, refers to the distance or set of circumstances at which UFOs are recorded when the resulting eyewitness account, image, or video contains insufficient information to identify them, even as non-human craft. Historically, UFOs have stayed at just the right distance so that they can be identified. Hence, the photos or videos they appear as fuzzy blobs or points of light. Even more curiously, the distance seems to vary by the viewer, and whether or not they have a camera, and then by the quality of the zoom lens on that camera. With better cameras and better lighting conditions, the UFO gets further away. The ability of UFOs to stay in the low information zone has led many to conclude that UFOs are mostly or entirely identifiable objects like planes, birds, and balloons, and that the reason UFOs are all in the low information zone 
is because that if they were closer or had better lighting or focus, they would be identified as not UFOs. The term low information zone was coined by UFO skeptic Mick West in September 2019. So this is not the uh, not, not not the newest term, but it's definitely not old. And so basically, to 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 dig a little deeper, it, it means when we're looking at uh, and again, this is designed for UFOs, unidentified flying objects, or unidentified aerial phenomena, or unidentified uh, what are they calling them? UAPs, you unidentified anomalous phenomena, because they, do, they don't want it just to be in the sky anymore. So we look at the uh, information being presented of something fantastical, and we realize that, well, when it comes to photos or videos, we often have something blurry, out of focus, shaky, and ill-defined, and we're arguing that this is indeed evidence of something more definitive. Uh, and the terminology law information zone does have an argument built in it that's uh, that basically claims if we were to provide more information, if we had the image in focus, if it was less blurry, and if it was no longer shaky, we could likely identify whatever the object is as something we already recognize. And I'm wondering if the low information zone is actually a wonderful place for more than UFOs to hide. When I was looking up the exact quote I wanted to use, I, was, I googled low information. The first link went to Reddit. Most first links go to Reddit. And I found it on the Cryptozoology subreddit. The Cryptozoology subreddit was claiming that perhaps they should take a look at the low information zone in order to better address the information that they receive when looking at things like Bigfoot. Bigfoot is often blurry or out of focus or shaky or so far away you can't tell what it is in the images. Uh, that's why we have terms like blob squatch if we get into things like cryptozoology. It's just a blob. It seems to be moving around or it seems to be something that doesn't match its surroundings. So therefore, it's a big hairy hominid in the forest. Uh, now, if we were to provide more information, it's quite possible we would change our opinion of what we're looking at. Perhaps miracles are very similar. When I look at things like the miracles of Jesus, we have things like him curing lepers and uh, curing those who are paralyzed and a variety of healings. Uh, he cures blindness. And all of these things are conveyed to us across just a few Bible verses and then repeated uh, in books like Mark, Matthew, and Luke. So the question begins to arise of, what kind of evidence do we have? How much information do we have? In, in this instance, the information we're looking for to go from the low to the high information zone is the evidence. And all of the claims for Jesus are entirely in the Bible. So we have one form of evidence from possibly three sources. Uh, I understand the historicity and the authorship of the gospel, uh, and gospels, I should say, uh, have been debated. We know that they're likely not uh, authored by people of the names in which they are presented. We have a few sources. And if we assume uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all written by three different people, in possibly three different times, then we have essentially three different sources. And we consider something like data. We want to have as many points of data as possible, as much information as possible. If we, we run a, a survey on people. 
we would like that survey to be of as many people of a particular cohort as possible in order to get the most accurate information. Assuming three sources say that Jesus cured a leper, and the sources are specifically written word only, unfortunately they didn't have cameras to shakily hold or get out of focus photos of back in the time of the writing of the Bible, I think around 400 AD, uh, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so we 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 don't have as much information we have very little information and so much so much of what we're probably going to wade into especially when it comes to miracles is very low information i know that there is discussion of offering sainthood to pope john paul ii um pretty sure that's the one i'm remembering correctly and there was the healing of a girl who claimed to have prayed to him now, there's very few points of information here. Uh, we're going to have to rely on very little evidence. And I think that that does put miracles in the low information zone. So when I look at that, it begins to create, the low information zone begins to create this great pool, this gigantic bucket, this huge, huge ocean of space that we could put lots of things. We could put ghosts we can put miracles we can put almost anything that there's only a claim to there's only one anecdote to as a matter of fact you could put most of our supplements that we put into ourselves in these realms well i took it and i felt better uh, but we don't have a whole lot of evidence and it's low information at the end of the day uh, it's easy to extrapolate in any direction and one of the things i think is beautiful and wonderful about the low information zone is that it's rife for storytelling but that's also one of the most dangerous parts of it i believe if we don't walk carefully when we observe and examine the things in the low information zone we're going to end up facing characters like peter popov who appear to be healing people who appear to have information they should not otherwise have when really that information is being piped in to an earpiece in order to look like they're receiving messages from God. In fact, the less information we provide people, the easier it is to trick them. So I'm curious and concerned for what we're going to discover. Now, when I get back to the idea of saints, I realize that most saints have to have had a miracle or two. I wanted to start at the beginning originally. I was like, oh, who's the first saint? Uh, and according to Catholicism, or at least Catholic.org, it was Joachim, uh, the mother, or excuse me, the father of Mary. They didn't really have any specific miracles that I could find. The largest reason for sainthood is simply being the father of Mary. And that didn't seem, that didn't seem, you know, particularly helpful to me, uh, or useful in a way that, uh, that, that gave us any information about miracles. Catholic.org even goes so far as to just say that, uh, they, he was a faithful parent who raised her with a love and devotion for God. And for a, a love and devotion of God and, and none other except for Jesus himself. And it's like, that's that's all good and fine if you're just spreading, you know, little, little kids' stories and stuff. But it doesn't tell us anything that's specifically miraculous. So I began um, dirtling through. <laughs> dirtling is a good word. Dirtling through all of these things. There's just so many, like I said. So I'm not entirely sure where to start. So I think we're going to have to, very unfortunately, 
push this off till next time. And I think I'm going to pick like three or five famous saints that have miracles and we'll take them apart. But we're going to have to try to come up with a consensus on what we consider valuable information that leaves the low information zone and begins rising towards the high information zone. Something with high information would be like gravity. We've experienced it countless times. Even if you're just making breakfast, gravity's often working in your favor. If you're scrambling eggs, it helps keep the eggs in the pan. It helps push them off the spoon or spatula with which you're using, uh, along with other forces, but gravity's there. It holds the pan to the stove. You drop something, it falls down. We have lots and lots of information and an incredible mountain of evidence. So how can we get further from one or two points of evidence and closer to mid or high information? Now, I realize we're likely not going to get any miracles that find themselves in the high information zone. We might find a few, especially things that claim to have lots and lots of people seeing them, and that'll be better. That'll be more points. So I think what I'm going to do as we walk forward is we're going to create a system where we're going to attempt to count how many points of information or how many pieces of evidence this particular miracle has, as I pick from, again, three to five saints and the miracles that they created or you know uh, performed, and we will see how much information is provided and how much credence we should give this. And I'm going to weigh these. If it's just something written down, if it's like Jesus's miracles that are simply written down, we have very little information for. We have very little like personal accounts. We don't have anyone we can ask. We don't have any pictures. We don't have any measurements. It's going to be weaker. The more people involved, the stronger it's going to get. The more measurements we have, the stronger it's going to get. The more uh, concrete evidences we have, like photos or videos, the stronger it's going to get. And I realize that some of these things may not be available for any of what we're going to cover. But the goal is to weigh them and determine how much should we just accept it and how much should we readily set it aside and go, hey, it's just not even worth looking at. Because I think a part of having an open mind is saying, okay, provide me your evidence but also being skeptical enough to say, well, I'm not ready to believe that yet. I don't believe that yet. And we need to adhere to things uh, that folks like Matt Dillahunty taught me, that this isn't about A or B. It's about, is it A or not A? We're not saying the cause of something is confirmed to be the thing that is not claimed. So if, let's say the claim is that God made an apple appear, and we have evidence an apple appeared. I'm not saying that the apple came from someone other than God. I'm just trying to determine whether it was God or not. God is A in this instance. Is it A or not A? So with all of the evidence, all of the points of information, we'll see if anything rises up out of the low information zone. We're going to put a cap of low information at 10 pieces of information or less. 10 pieces of evidence or less. And we'll put medium information between 10 and like 30. I think that's a lot. I think if you have a, a, a miracle with like 30 or more pieces of information, that's pretty high. I think that deserves further inspection. And that's where we're going to go. So again, low information, 10 or fewer. Medium information, between 10 and 30. And high information, 30. And this is just arbitrary. I'm just picking. I'm just putting this together. But I, I feel like I need to keep it low. Because in, in a real world, I would love for high information to be like thousands That'd be great. That'd be even better. That'd be extraordinary information. But I don't think we're going to get it. 
So I'm trying to be generous. I'm trying to decide which one of these deserves further inspection. So we can say, is it A or not A? Not, is it this or that? You know, was it God or was it Jim? Who gave us the apple? Doesn't matter. I'm trying to figure out which pieces are most important to look at. So let's try to keep those open minds and some skepticism as we move from the scariest month into a cold month filled with givings of thanks? So speaking of the scary months, it's October. It's October 31st. It's Halloween. I'm home alone. I'm trying to figure out what to do. I do know I want to give out candy. Halloween in our town it has a schedule. It is uh, Trick-or-treating is between 6 and 8 p.m. It's not very long, and I feel like if I were a child, I'd want to stay out much later than that. So perhaps there will be a few post-8 p.m. trick-or-treaters, but that's what the town's prepared for. I have created my own assortment of goodies. Uh, each child or person with a bucket or bag or receptacle for a treat can pick three items from my bucket. My bucket will contain several packs of Pokemon Booster Packs, candy, and full boxes of mac and cheese. You could take one of each or, you know, three of anything. You want three Booster Packs? I don't care. I got 50 of them. Get your booster packs, some candy, and literally full boxes of mac and cheese. Because I don't want I don't want to hold anyone back from things they love. And I, I've seen things about like emptying pantries. I was like, you know what? I would have killed for a box of mac and cheese as a kid. That's a cool item. So I'm putting that in mind. Uh, we're gonna be moving into to November. I'm gonna have a vacation in November. I'll be experiencing my fifth wedding anniversary. That's bananas. So well, I'll be going on a little trip. And I'll make sure I get stuff recorded in time that I'm not missing this because this will come out on my trip. That means a follow-up on Saints will be taking place while I'm gone. So hopefully I get everything recorded in time. This has been Fables of Our Deconstruction. Fables of Our Deconstruction is created by me, Dylan Jacobson. Please like and review Fables wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to join my community, The Brimstone Order, at patreon.com slash Dylan. We're growing all the time, and your support is literally the number one thing that makes me get up in the morning. I can't believe it. I'd like to thank Apes of the State for the use of their song moments a year from now as my intro and outro. And remember, you are never alone. We are in this together. <laughs>